It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Block Talk Radio. today i was thinking about a a domain name and i haven't looked it up yet because i've been pretty busy today like normal but i was thinking about the domain name of i love tuesdays.com if someone has that domain name of i love tuesdays.com you're welcome you just got free advertisement but if someone does not have that domain name of i love tuesdays.com it sounds like a pretty cool domain name for us uh, at Crave Wrestling because both Derek and I, we love Tuesdays because Pancakes and Power Slam Show is one of the heights of our week because we love wrestling so much and we enjoy it so much, Derek. I, I don't know about you, but I enjoy it. So I guess if you like it, that makes both of us because I love Tuesdays. Why not? Tuesday's a great night of the week. We enjoy it. The whole world enjoys it. This is the night that wrestling comes together, and we talk about wrestling, and we make wrestling fun. 
because wrestling's not always fun, but it's only fun when we talk about it here on Tuesday nights. That's absolutely true. Tuesday night. Yes. So I love Tuesdays.com. Uh, <laughs> if someone's out there um, and feels like looking up that and seeing if uh, if it's um, <clears throat> a legit uh, domain name, uh, feel free to. Uh, you know, hey, listen, if you if it's not a domain name and you're an IT guy and you want to uh, go ahead and help us out with that, I love Tuesdays dot com. And, you know, there you go. Just random wrestling talk. Just a just just a just a chat room of of uh, of fun stuff. I love Tuesdays dot com. I love it. So this is 197 episodes, and we're just going to have a great time as we do every single week here on the Pancakes and Power Slam show. We've got some interesting things to talk about today. Uh, a fun, interesting announcement by Vince McMahon yesterday that we'll we'll talk about. And we also have a announcement for a interview for next week. So that's going to be really, really interesting. We are three weeks away, Derek, from episode two. Hundred and to just to whet the appetite of all the listeners, we're going to have a nice interview next week. I'm pretty excited about it. Two hundred episodes is just three weeks away. You know, I didn't think 197 weeks ago that we'd still be here. So, I mean, it's a true blessing. Two hundred episodes. I mean, that's phenomenal. That's and what's the thing is we're recognized. It's not like we're just two dudes in a basement talking to six or seven people. I mean, we've reached a nation. We are on the pulse of it. Right. And uh, we've got Wrestling Nation by the by the grapefruit, and we've got it going, and we're just going to keep going forward. So anybody who's with us now, you'll be with us tomorrow. You'll be with us three weeks from now. You'll be with us at 300, 400, 500 episodes because we're not going anywhere unless wrestling just goes up and disintegrates into thin air, which shouldn't happen. If we did, we'd find something else to talk about. <laughs> However, this is what we do. Exactly. Very well said there, brother. All right, so I guess it's time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm guessing it's time to talk about wrestling. Uh, I think it's uh I think it's about that time. I think it's uh, uh only appropriate to uh to start talking about wrestling now. And I'm pretty excited about this week because you know Derek and I we we we've had our fair share of uh bashing <laughs> the uh the, the WWE. We we've had our had our fair share of it for sure. However, I will say and, and, and you know, I, I I will I will be honest this week, and, I, and I'll say that uh, you know it, it it wasn't too bad. It, it wasn't it was interesting. It was it it was a different take. Um, you know, it, it was uh, it was interesting because you know we I spoke to Mac Taven. You know, we we spoke we, we talked about that, and when we had our interview earlier this year, we talked about. One of our one of our main subjects was the 1992 Royal Rumble, and how interesting that was, and how and just how how amazing it was, just just the 92 Royal Rumble, and we you know it's so funny because we 
we were we kind of we kind of called it from the beginning of the year like it, it, it we we need that type of twist we need that type of we need that 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 different approach that we need that zest that that shot in the arm and when it comes to pro wrestling again and we got it so we'll, we'll definitely talk a little bit more into that first trivia question of the night what year did Sting win his first WCW World Heavyweight Championship? What year did Sting win his first WCW World Heavyweight Championship? Um, we also are going to talk about uh, the Bullet Club. Three members of the Bullet Club, AJ Styles, Carl Anderson, and Doc Gallows, as many people know, as Festus in the WWE. And also, he was the fake Kane, but he definitely made himself a lot more important when he uh, got himself into uh, much, much better shape and uh, just reinvented his character uh, as Luke Gallows uh, in for the Straight Edge Society. And then uh, Doc in, in TNA as part of the Aces and Eights. And also, uh, so he, 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 Luke Gallows and Doc, he put them together. And, you know, for the past few years, he's been known as Doc Gallows. And then, of course, the flavor of the week is going to be the number 30 entrance. Um, we've been on the series of the number 30 entrance for the for the Royal Rumble. This year, we'll talk about 2006 to 2010. Uh, so I'm pretty uh, excited about uh, that, too. A couple weeks ago, it was a really, really good conversation. Last week, we didn't have as much time to talk about it, but this this week is definitely going to be different. So, very interesting about that. Very excited about that. Um, well, let's see. Wrestle Kingdom 10, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, we're not going to have enough. We're not going to have a lot of time to talk about it today, but uh, you know how much I put Wrestle, Wrestling Kingdom, Wrestle Kingdom 9 over. Um, and, uh, I'll definitely put Russell kingdom 10 over too. And we'll talk a little bit more about that, um, before Royal rumble. All right. So I, ha- I see some, uh, I, I see some answers here. I see Russell, I see 1990, uh, but also see an answer that says 1992 since 1990 was NWA. And, um, you know what? I, I I'm gonna I'm going to give this person uh a, a special shout out um because this person has deserved a public worldwide uh pub, pancakes and power slams shout out. There's a person on the uh dot com stream by the name of uh Swag Suke or Swatske. Uh, if you want to pronounce it uh, from a Japanese z- uh, flavor, uh, Nakamura, uh, man, this 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 person is a fantastic scholarly um, trivia person, and I have to give this person a, a shout out because that's exactly right. 1992, since 90 was in WA, and that's absolutely true. He won his first world championship in, in 1990. But 1992 was the first WCW World Heavyweight Championship. So congratulations. Very, very scholarly there. Next question. 
what year did Goldberg debut in the WWE? What year did Goldberg debut in the WWE? All right, so uh, we were in San Antonio, Texas for all, and uh, no Shawn Michaels. Uh, so, you know, hey, very interesting there. No Shawn Michaels in San Antonio. You know, an interesting pop would have uh, <laughs> just a random Shawn Michael appearance in San Antonio would have been a nice little um, insert into Raw. Raw wasn't bad. I, I didn't think Raw was that bad. Uh, there was uh, the San Antonio crowd was a bit dead, though. I wasn't a big fan of the San Antonio crowd, to be honest with you. Now, here's the thing. I'm I'm an Ohioan, and uh, I, I enjoy Ohio crowds. I think Ohio crowds have definitely grown and matured and became uh, a lot more exciting and, and fun uh, because for, for a while, you know, the, the Ohio crowd w- wasn't that exciting. But I think with the advent of uh, WWE wanting to push the market in the Midwest, Ohio became a very, very targeted uh, state. And uh, Columbus, Cleveland, Cincinnati, uh, those those three uh, cities have been uh, very targeted. And I think that, uh, you know, back in the day, you know, Dayton and Cleveland was, was big cities uh, for the WWE, too, as far as their, you know, Survivor Series and, and uh, you know, their pay-per-views even. Uh, Richfield Coliseum, but you know it, it tapered off for a while. And our first uh, is interesting in Columbus. Uh, the first uh, pay per view was uh, the first pay per view in a while was last year Money in the Bank, and that was the last pay per view since I believe um, Bad Blood. So it was about a, I think that was oh three when Bad Blood came. So. It was about a dozen years since, um, yeah, I think it was, I think it was 03 when Bad Blood, it may have been 05. It was about 10 to 12 years since the pay-per-view came to Columbus, Ohio. And uh, that's my, my native, uh, my native land. <clears throat> so, yeah, and, and I, you know, went to Columbus and it was great. And I had a great time, of course, uh, happy to. Uh, for a pay-per-view to come to my my area, and you know it, it was great because the NXT came a couple times, and, and of course the Raw, Raws and Smackdowns usually come at least a few times a year. Uh, but yeah, it was great to pay-per-view, and and so I can respect WWE's targets and and and, and um, I guess interest in targeting the Midwest again outside of Chicago, of course. But, you know, you, you have certain crowds like San Antonio, which uh, wasn't the best crowd. There was there was some, you know, my, and we'll talk about the whole Jericho thing when he came, when he came out. But there were certain, there were certain moments of Raw that deserved to have a little bit better reaction, but it didn't because crowd was dead and you know it's one of those things that you you got as a crowd first of all you you get a raw so if you if you're a city that gets a raw you know you you there's something you really can't you shouldn't at least take for granted 
you know, if someone lives in like, you know, Timbuktu, you know, Tim, Timbuktu, Alaska, you know, they're probably never going to get a raw, maybe a house show, but most likely never a raw. So if you if you're a city that the WWE chooses to get a raw or a SmackDown or more importantly a pay per view, I mean, I wouldn't say be marky and put yourself over. You know, that's, that's the thing with like the Boston and Chicago and and uh, you know New York New Jersey crowds. You know, a lot of people don't like that because they they kind of take the essence out of appreciating the the craft and the product in exchange for putting themselves over. So, you know, that's, that's not cool. However, you know, make it exciting, make it fun, make it, you know, make it to the point where the commentators are commenting, you know, if you're doing a wave during a match, you know, don't, don't make it too much, but at the same time, you know, have, have fun, enjoy yourself, make the, make the WWE, leave on a high note and want to come back. But, you know, you, you San Antonio wasn't the very, wasn't the most exciting crowd to, to have a role at. And I, I don't, I really didn't have an assessment for San Antonio crowds before, but uh, my assessment now is, isn't very, isn't very strong. What about you, Derek? Yeah, I kind of noticed that too. It's just kind of a, a cloud floating over San Antonio last night. I mean, which in Texas, you think, wow, you know, it's the Von Erichs. That's, you know, WCCW, Dallas Cowboys, you know, Texas college football. But, yeah, it was pretty dead, especially for being the hometown of Shawn Michaels. So, it's, it was just kind of weird. But you almost want to think about what if they held WrestleMania in the horseshoe? Wow. Would you attend? Yeah. You know what? You know what's it, so funny about that? Is that uh, uh, that was the, the horseshoe was one of the for actually for a few years now uh, it was one of the most uh, it, it was Ohio put the Ohio put the, its name in the hat as far as uh, being one of the uh, places for WrestleMania but you know it's great because first of all you have the Midwest weather so come April you know it's not going to be sunny, you know, at, at nine o'clock Eastern time, like it was in California, uh, you know, this year, it, like I said, either, like I said before, if you're going to have a WrestleMania, either put it in a dome or have it, you know, like Eastern time, maybe central cause Chicago central time, but you know, most preferably Eastern time, possibly central, but you know, a, a foolproof, a foolproof way to to have WrestleManias in a dome. I mean, that in no matter where you are, as long as you have it in a dome. But Eastern Time works because, you know, yeah, you're going to be cold, but you know, you're going to have so much adrenaline and warm yourself up, <laughs> and you're going to have a lot of adrenaline. You're not even going to know you're cold until you probably go out in the car. Uh, but you're probably going to have so much adrenaline after WrestleMania that you probably won't even realize that you're cold until maybe when you get home when it when it dies down a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, I'm 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 all for East Coast um, WrestleMania venues. And 2017, actually, Ohio had its name in a hat 
uh, as being one of the uh, top uh, choices. And it, it was seemingly it was going to be uh, Minnesota, but they actually pulled out and it's looking like Orlando. So, uh, you know, it's, it's that it's that safe Florida market that the WWE loves going to. They they had one in uh, Orlando. Um, for those who are listening, uh, give me the latest uh, Orlando date and latest Miami date. Because I know they had one in the past, uh, I would say, half a dozen years. They had one, I think maybe 08, possibly was in Miami or 10, something like that. Um, and then Orlando was, was not too uh, long ago either. So Orlando and then uh, Orlando and Miami. Let me know the last time it was in uh, Orlando or Miami. All right, so Raw, time for Raw. Um, 2003 is the uh, correct answer. Great job. What year did Goldberg debut in the WWE? Great job. Uh, got a comment here. King of the Ring was 2002 in Columbus. Yes, I, I also went there too. Uh, that was the one that Brock Lesnar won. That was the King of the Ring that Brock Lesnar won. I remember the there was a match between Lesnar and Test that was really good actually. Because um, because people didn't really know Lesnar at the time. And, you know, it was one of those things that, you know, who is this guy? He's only been there for a couple, you know, for a few months at that time. Team the Ring was, uh, I think, July at the time. And, yeah, I think King of the Ring was in July, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and, yeah, it was it was a pretty hard-hitting match between Brock Lesnar and Test. Uh, June, it was still in June. It was uh, June 23rd, 2002. And I remember that Brock Brock Lesnar and Test um, had a match, and it was it was pretty hard hitting. Uh, it was a little over eight minutes. Lesnar won, but you know, it was one of those things that I really wanted. <laughs> I really I really wanted uh, Test to to really kind of shine at that time, and he showed that he can hang with Lesnar, and it was a, it was a pretty good match. But uh, yeah, for for them to come. The next year, too, or, or I don't remember. I think, yeah, 2003, I believe it was uh, Bad Blood. So it was a high market in the early 2000s, and then just left for a dozen years and didn't, and didn't come back. So uh, very interesting there. Uh, uh, 28 was in Miami. Thank you very much. Yeah, 28 was in Miami. So that was four years ago. Yeah, yeah, 28, just four years ago was in Miami. Um, all right, so let's get to Raw here. Roman Reigns and Stephanie McMahon in-ring promo. Uh, and again, you know, I I don't know if it's just my great deal of optimism, um, <laughs> a great deal of optimism this year or this this week. But I mean, I I I liked. I, I was okay with the opening segment. I was okay with it at least because, you know, we've we've said this many times on the show, and I keep you know as the Roman Reigns apologizes, I keep reiterating how get rid of the smiles, get rid of the cheesiness, get rid of the pandering. Let Roman Reigns be himself, like that Samoan you know, bad boy, Samoan bulldog type of gimmick. 
And what I what I noticed, just I mean, here's the thing: notice just the little nuances. It, it it only takes just a little bit to notice the nuances. Roman Reigns was different on the mic this week, and I appreciated that. I, I noticed it and I appreciated it. It wasn't a lot of smiling. It was you know very very straight faced. Very you know it, it wasn't a lot of pandering to the crowd. It wasn't a lot of you know this is for us. This is for the people. This this. This championship is ours, type of thing. It wasn't a lot of that, uh, and and I appreciated it. I noticed it when he, when she when he was going back and forth with Stephanie McMahon. It was you know he would he had a serious face. He was in the zone, and his mic work wasn't that bad actually. And it was because he didn't have a. It wasn't like a monologue. He didn't he didn't grab a mic. He wasn't by himself, and it wasn't like just. Roman Reigns with the mic for five minutes. That's a that's a disaster right now. However, the exchanges that he had with with Stephanie McMahon is just, who's just a heat magnet, you know, without question. I really appreciate it. And then you know the whole believe that dropping the mic, just those little cadences and those little nuances. Timing was a lot better. So I was actually impressed with Roman Reigns' mic work. This week, and I hope that it, I hope that it continues that way, because it's one of those things that it seemingly WWE noticed. You know, just the the comments of people. It, it's kind of like striking while the iron's hot. They're noticing that people are gravitating more towards Roman Reigns when he's not the cheesy guy. When he's, you know, he he looks like a he looks like an intimidating Samoan, you know, person who's just all about just aggression played to that you know continue to play to that and i and i saw that on raw in the beginning and i was actually impressed by it yeah i could see it too and i mean that's fine because you know we've been roman reigns is what the product has made him and so it's almost you want to spite him just for the fact that he's been shoved down our throats last night wasn't a bad example of what he can do he plays well off Stephanie McMahon. At least he did that night, because I don't think Stephanie flipped out as much as she usually did, which right. for me typically ruins the show. So with Roman Reigns being kind of the cool, level-headed guy, I got into it a little better. He dropped the mic. He wasn't as smiley and trying to be fun and have fun and be the rock. So Roman Reigns has to just kind of find himself, and he made a step towards that last night. And hopefully, again, they stick with it. He's done with the stupid shenanigans and – I don't want to see the guy smile. That's it. I just don't want to see him smile or yeah. laugh because his laugh is horrible. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Me either. You know, and, and don't and don't make it. Just just don't do it. it. Just again, it's working. Go with it if it's working. I got a comment here that said I noticed too. I expect this stupid smile and got nothing, which is good. Yeah, I mean, you know, if it's working, let it work, and that that's the bottom line right there. Um, Thank you uh, for the instant, uh, almost instant data here. WrestleMania 24 was in Orlando, uh, too. So, yeah, 08 is what I said. Yep, absolutely. 08 was in Orlando. So, that's, uh, I knew Orlando, I knew is in Florida in 08. So, yep, Orlando, thank you very much for that. All right. So, next question. This is an interesting one here. 
Name three members of the Filthy Animals. Name three members of the Filthy Animals. Next, we have Kevin Owens and Neville. You know, it, it, it seems like this was going to be a two-week, two-and-out type thing. Last week, they just wanted to put Neville over because he won the Breakout Star of the Year. And this week, it's just back to normal. I mean, yeah, that you know, that's uh, 450 off the apron was uh, a very nice spot. But at the same time, you know, there's <laughs> I, I really don't know what's going on with Neville. I think Neville could have been, I mean, I know he came, he's been there since the uh, right after WrestleMania, which uh, I guess, which didn't really make the, the breaking ground cut, but you know, first of all, Breaking Ground was my WWE Network. Uh, they they deserved the Slammy Award for me, and I think that was um, in the year end year end awards. I think that was a uh, a question posted. I didn't, I didn't get a chance to get to, but yeah, that's uh, that, that was my award for the WWE Network show of the year. I, I was a big fan of Brad on Ground. I think that was the only show that I watched other than NXT, of course, I watch that every week, but uh, that, I think that's probably one of the only shows that actually, I actually watched every single week was, was breaking ground. Very, very good narration, uh, very good storytelling. It's not, you know, it doesn't break, it, it doesn't break behind the curtain too much. It wasn't, it wasn't hokey. It was, you know, it wasn't necessarily a, a reality TV show, to the point of just trying to elicit, you know, reactions. It was a, it was more of a documentary uh, standpoint. And I love that. The fact that it was more of a documentary was very intriguing to me because I love documentaries and, you know, it, it was very good to me. I was a big fan of it. And so, you know, if they would have, you know, part of me is like, if they would have showcased Neville Maybe he would have got. Maybe it could have could have been a reset button to him in the WWE, because, I mean, it, it's just so sad to me how. Uh, it's it's really sad to me how Neville has fallen. I mean, oh, how the mighty have fallen, or for people who uh, want to make fun of Neville, oh, how the mighty mouse has fallen. But yeah, it's. It's really, it's really sad how how Neville has just totally fell off the radar when it comes to any type of importance in WWE pro- programming. I mean, you know, and I understand how important it is to be caught up to the main roster, and Breaking Ground made it even more made it, made it even more sense of people loving the NXT feel, loving the family, loving the travel, but it's just. It's that one thing. It's it's that just that feeling of becoming a part of the main roster, and I can respect Tyler Breeze even much more after after looking at uh, Breaking Ground. But again, it's just one of those things that yeah, it's bittersweet because on one hand you're like yeah, I'm happy that I made it to the main roster. I'm here now, but at the same time, you're not. I mean, unless you're Kevin Owens. You're not going to be inserted into an important angle, you know, within months of of you coming up to the main roster. We, 
we've seen that with with so many people, you know. And then Big E came up, you know, to the main roster and became, you know, uh, Dolph Ziggler's bodyguard. He didn't really get any traction until, you know, he became a babyface and and won the Intercontinental title, and that was well after he debuted. So it's not you really don't catch much traction and and even after after the intercontinental title run who who you know i would say biggie as a singles person he was over the most when he had his baby face turn and became intercontinental champion uh, and beat curtis axel but even shortly after that he just fell off again and thank god that he rebounded with the new day but you you know you just not you're just not going to get it's not a high chance that when you come from NXT that you're going to get a prominent spot. And that's what makes the jump from NXT to WWE main roster. It makes it bittersweet. And that's the reason why people like Bailey and, and Finn Balor have said in interviews that they're not, you know, they're not chomping at the bits to come up to the main roster because of those reasons. And you totally get that because again, you see Neville as a perfect example you had Neville and a few uh, high spots, a few good shines, and Kevin Owens comes in, and you totally forget about Neville. So Kevin Owens, obviously, is the biggest draw that's ever came from NXT as of yet. So with the NXT, I wouldn't blame people for not wanting to come to the WWE because as long as John Cena's there, you're not going to go anywhere. You're going to do nothing. So hone your character, hone your craft, stay in NXT, and just be – you know, you have that intimate crowd that just absolutely loves you. And you go to WWE, and you have the crowd that loves you, but it's the politics backstage says otherwise. So Cesaro is a perfect example. Right. So it's – you wouldn't just uh, – NXT, if you want to stay with NXT, I totally get that now more than ever. It's like you wouldn't want to stay with Ohio Valley Wrestling if you could get a spot with WWE. But if you could stay in NXT, which is still technically WWE, you wouldn't want to go anywhere near the WWE as of this time because, again, with the John Cena's and everything, that just totally saturates the, the supply and demand that WWE cares about. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of NXT, I think this is a per- perfect time to segue into the hottest rumor on the planet right now of WWE signing four major New Japan pro wrestling stars, which uh, consists of, again, uh, uh, Shinsuke Nakamura, uh, the, the the current Wrestle Kingdom uh, Intercontinental Champion, uh, successfully defending the title at Wrestle Kingdom. AJ Styles, of course. Uh, you know, we all know AJ Styles. And, of course, Doc Gallows and... Machine Gun, Carl Anderson, Guns and Gallows. So here's the thing. Uh, I, you know, I've said that I've said this a couple of years ago. I was, I would, I would put Carl Carl Anderson way over on the show here, and say how much you know he's one of my favorite wrestlers. And I think he's probably one of the most fluid wrestlers um, in, in the world right now. He, he's a phenomenal wrestler. I've been a Carl Anderson fan for for a number of years now, and I always thought that he was one of the he was one of the people who could make like a TNA over who can who can you know put some traction back in TNA if he was a top guy and 
put some traction in GFW when GFW actually meant something. I mean, what in the world is going on with GFW? I mean, it, it just seems as if GFW it had so much it had so much steam coming from Wrestle Kingdom Nine aligning with with New Japan, but man, I mean, it's it's one of those things that if you if you don't have a TV deal, you're just an indie show. I mean, this would really to me, it's GFW at this point is like an indie show owned by Jeff Jarrett because no TV deal. The, the, the interest in GFW has died down immensely and nobody's really talking about GFW anymore. Uh, you know, unfortunately, because, you know, for, for a while after, after the alliance with, with new Japan and, you know, right after, right before that, and right after that, you know, it, it was so much promise coming from GFW, but there were so many times that they just couldn't get a TV deal, and they, they've tried and tried and just couldn't get the TV deal, and now it's just, ah, it's really come to a thing of the past, uh, you know, just a little bit after its inception, unfortunately. But yeah, it, it just... It's one of those things that you just have to you just have to make sure you you, you kind of capitalize on the opportunities, um, and 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 it and they didn't unfortunately, but but with 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 the acquisition with the rumored acquisition of uh, AJ and uh, Nakamura and uh, Gallows and Carl Anderson. Uh, here's here's my take on it. I, of course, acquiring those four talents and, and taking them off the market is fantastic. However, you know, there's certain there, there's certain people who has that indie that indie feel that that indie just brand, and if you bring them to the WWE. It's just not the same, you know. I remember when uh, they 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 brought uh, Kazarian over, and you know he was we we you know he won some velocity matches, but it just wasn't the same when Kazarian came over to the WWE from being you know on the Indies and and in TNA. It just it just wasn't the same. It just it was it was weird. It was different. Same thing with uh, uh, Chris Harris when he was, uh, uh, I think, Braden Walker or something crazy like that in ECW. Oh, man, it was just a disaster. It was just a disaster from the very start. And that's kind of how I feel with AJ Styles. I, you know, he's 38 years old. You know, him and James Storm, I believe, were the same age or around the same age. And... It's one of those things that AJ's reaching the twilight of his career, although last year you would have thought that he was reaching towards the tail end, but he kind of peaked again with his uh, fame in New Japan and becoming champion a couple times and great feud with Okada. So, you know, it's it, it's kind of it's kind of in the middle. It's, it's like, you know, do you bring him in and, and, and do you make him – put over other talent to, you know, do you kind of build him up to put over that one big talent? You know, cause that's what I consider putting over, 
You just don't lose a bunch of matches and then lose your final match. It's not put. I've said this before, especially with Jericho and Kane. They're not putting over people. They're just losing a bunch of matches and lose a big match, lose a bigger match. You know, in order to put over someone, you have to strengthen your brand and then have someone lose someone who's seemingly unstoppable, have them lose finally. That's how you put someone over. But with AJ, I think that they can do that. But part of me is like, you know, is it still that WWE curse where they're not WWE bred guys, so they don't get the push that they deserve? You know, there's 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 talks that uh, Gallows and Anderson will go to NXT, but Nakamura and AJ aren't scheduled to to debut in NXT. So how do you, you know, how do you push AJ and Nakamura? You know, there's talks of them being in the Royal Rumble, which would be absolutely amazing. I would absolutely love that. But how do you really bring, again, it's like the Divas Revolution. You're bringing in a a gang of people at one time. The only thing, the only way I think it can work, since since they're really big on factions right now, especially since they got that uh, social outcast, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. Why not start the Balor Club? You know, the 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 Bullet Club is. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's owned. It may be owned by New Japan or, or someone, but I'm I'm sure that the WWE won't use the Bullet Club. But the Balor Club is, you know, it, it's good enough. Balor Club, uh, their merchandiser, you know, it's it's going over, and so. There you go. There's the Balor Club. You have Finn Balor, you have AJ Styles, you have uh, Shinsuke Nakamura, and you have uh, Carl Anderson and Dark Gallows. There's a, there's a five man, you know, kind of NWO esque uh, clique. Of course, you make them heels, and that's a good way to bring Finn Balor up to the main roster and have an immediate impact. And don't you know? It's don't don't make it like an invasion type thing. Don't just have people join the Balor Club. Just you know, don't do that. But have the five of them go up to the main roster. You know, that's that's your way to to give them immediate impact. And you know, have them win the Intercontinental Championship. Have them win the uh, the tag team championships uh, or the U.S. title. You know, give them an immediate push. And because you know they they're established, they've established themselves enough, you know, to get like a, a mid card title. Of course, I wouldn't give them the, a world title or something like that. But you know, they've established themselves enough to at least have a, like a tag team title reign. So bring them in, Balor Club. Bring them to the main roster. I think it'll work. I think it would work awesomely. I mean, you couldn't really get past that. That would probably be. I mean, that'd be the equivalent of when the Radicals came in, a little bit. But almost for AJ Styles, like you were saying, how he's not a WWE-bred person, you'd almost want to make him come in like Goldberg, have one match, and leave. Almost kind of what you wanted them to do with Stain. Um, I do like the stable factor, however, but I just don't see WWE really hitting the iron while it's hot and making it that great. They're going to put their own people over top of that. So I'd love to see AJ Styles in WWE. I believe that will happen, but, again, it should probably just be kind of a – Spot here, spot here, spot here. See you later. But then mm-hmm. again, I could just—I don't see the WWE making that great of a, a a faction that they could have. 
I mean, that's phenomenal. That blew my mind if something like that took place. That would make Monday Night Raw WWE brand so much better. But I, I don't see that happening. So I mean, it's conspiracies and all that good stuff would be great. But yeah, that, I don't see AJ Styles. Yeah, I don't. I don't see it happening either. And you know, and of course, you know, someone made a good comment. Bullet Club is still going. That's true. Of course, they have Takahashi and. Kenny Omega and Chase Owens and uh, Cody Hall and uh, Alec Fale and Tamatanga. And, uh, I'm sure I'm missing some people, but yeah, I mean, the uh, Bullet Club is still up and strong. Um, so uh, it, it's all well, kind of strong at least, but yeah, it's still going, but Balor Club would, would work, but uh, that's really the only way I can see it working. I mean, a, a debut of all four of them at the same time. Um, and my thing is, you know, even even if there was, so, I mean, something different. If if you're going to make Raw for the world, if you're going to make the Royal Rumble for the World Heavyweight Championship for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship, why not have, you know, just something off the wall? The lights go off. There, there's like eight people, you know, in the ring at the same time, you know, eight mid-carters that don't mean much. The lights go off. The Bowler Club show up, all five of them. They totally just clean house. They they just totally ransack the ring and everybody in it and walk out and just lay everybody out that's in the ring and just make a statement, the Royal Rumble, you know, I wouldn't, you know, I, I, they, you know, they, and and they keep doing that, you know, have, have a few weeks where they just lay people out and then, you know, then start yourself a a pretty good feud that way. So, you know, I would have them, I would have them go against the Dudleys. I would have like, you know, uh, Guns and Gallows go against the Dudley boys. I think that would be a good way to start their feud. Um, to to be in you know to be important and to really make a to make a statement, the Dudleys would be a good people you know person to start with Ryback you know someone like Ryback would be would be good as well. So yeah, I mean that's again that's just the way. I mean there's a comment that says I can't see Nakamura with them. Um, you know he Nakamura has. You know he has uh, experience with being in, in in heel factions in New Japan too, so you know he he can do it. I put a put a uh, a Balor Club you know shirt with him, and and, and there you go. I think it, I think it'd be interesting. I I really think it'd be something worth, and plus it'd be something it'd be something completely different than what we're used to seeing with Nakamura. He's just you know rock star type of uh, character in New Japan, way, way over. Uh, but it would be something different because, you know, it's one of those things that we can't assume that everyone's watching or we can assume that even a fraction of people who watch WWE watch New Japan. That's something we just can't assume. So especially knowing Shinsuke Nakamura, you know, he's way over. I mean, I love New Japan. And you know, I I I'm not a good gauge as far as people coming to the WWE because I would bring someone like Kenny Omega over because you know he he's an amazing talent. So 
you, you have to assume that just people don't know who he is, you know, in the States. So that's, that's how you book the guy. You've heard about him. You know, you've heard rumblings about him. There's been discussions, but I don't really know him. That's, that's a tough mindset that you have to have when you're, when you're booking, like people like Ashka, like when she was Kana in Japan, not a lot of people knew who Kana was unless you're a diehard, you know, wrestling fan who is a big, you know, Japanese wrestling fan. Otherwise, you know Ashka. You don't know Kana. You know Ashka. I mean, and, and even with Prince Devitt, you know, you don't know who Prince Devitt is. You know who Finn Balor is. And so that's how you have to book it. Uh, so the Filthy Animals, I got an answer of Rey Mysterio, Kitman, and Conan. That is correct. Add Hoovy Juice, Eddie Guerrero, and Disco. Those uh, were the members of the Filthy Animals, including the, the ballets. Um, you have uh, Titus O'Neil and Stardust. <laughs> this was the most dead match of, of the entire night. I have, first of all, you, you've been kind of developing a, an angle with them for weeks, and you have just a regular match pops up. All of a sudden, and Titus O'Neil wins. This is something. This, first of all, Stardust and Titus O'Neil, both of them can can afford to have some type of match, some type of pay per view match. Even a pre show match would have been good with them, with Titus O'Neil against Stardust. But you just have a random match on Raw. You know, someone's taking a bathroom break or, you know, fixing something to eat. They come back and see Titus O'Neil versus Stardust and I'm like, oh, okay, well, I'm, I'm not interested. And San Antonio made it very clear that they weren't interested in this match, which I think is a disservice for both Titus and Stardust because Titus is a, they're, they're doing the singles thing with them that they're doing a singles thing with Titus. I, I'm okay with it, actually. Uh, because they're developing his charisma, you know he's almost forty years old, so you got to start somewhere. You got to make him important somewhere. They tried the the heel thing with him, and it, it just was awful. It's working now. People like him, but uh, you know him, him and, and, and Stardust, it could work. I like their little vignettes they had when when Titus would interrupt him and, you know, wherever he was and it was funny and it could have worked, but just having a random match on raw just kind of gives a disservice to, to two people who could afford, you know, a, a higher platform match. It, it was a boring and disgusting match. I mean, it's just, it was something that you would see on main event. If anybody out there watches main event. So, I mean, Titus and Neil, I mean, really it just seems kind of, Cody's too small. He doesn't need to be in the ring with Titus and Neil. And it just they just didn't gel. It wasn't chemically great. It just it stunk up the place and everyone knew it and it was kind of a horrible, you know, second segment of Raw, so not really that big of a fan of it. The both of them have talent, they can do something, just with each other, it just doesn't seem to gel and it's not really that believable because any given day Titus and Neil would eat start us for lunch. It just it doesn't make any sense, and they got to do something else. Put Fondango in there. That works for me. <laughs> Fondango should have been in the uh, social outcasts 
uh, you know. Yeah. We'll, we'll, talk, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that here in a minute. Becky Lynch and Charlotte. So Charlotte makes her official heel turn. Uh, you know, it, and it was one of those things that I guess it's me as a as a wrestling fan and understand, you know, camera shots and hard angle shots and things like that. I, you know, it, it just, it was so predictable that, that Becky, that uh, uh, Charlotte was going to attack Becky from behind. I, you know, I knew it, but you know, it makes sense. Charlotte was starting to get booed anyways because people weren't buying. They just they just wasn't buying the whole Charlotte thing. You know, she was over in NXT way over, you know, with the BFFs and um, doing her own thing and just her great matches with uh, Sasha Banks and, and, uh, and uh, Natalia. But, you know, people just weren't buying into the Charlotte thing and and it's so funny because I watched the table for two, the table for three. That's a, that's also another another, um, another uh, WWE Network uh, show that I watch. I've seen all of them, and it's it's been like a couple months since they've had one, so they need to go ahead and uh, have another table for three. But I remember Charlotte talk about how she didn't want to be in the shadows of her, her dad, Ric Flair, but. The funny thing about that is, is that she's doing the knee, she's doing the woo, she's doing the strut, she's doing the figure four, so she really can't help it, I guess. And so I guess she's more embracing embracing it. Interesting to see Ric Flair as a heel again. It works, you know. He's the dirtiest player in the game, so you know, a heel manager role for Ric Flair is a good way to keep him on TV. It's not something outlandish. I'm okay with it. I just, you know, I, and I'm a bit, I'm a Becky fan. I'm a Becky Lynch fan. That's I'm a big Becky Lynch fan. I think that she should have that WrestleMania moment. I really think that Becky Lynch is an all around uh, awesome athlete that uh, can wrestle, you know, can, can wrestle circles around so many divas currently right now. So I, I'm okay with the Becky Lynch and Charlotte feud. I just hope that it's not cheesy like her and Paige. And I really hope that this really gives Becky Lynch a time to shine. Unfortunately, I don't think it's going to be. I think Becky Lynch is going to be transitional to something bigger for Mania. I really, really hope I'm wrong, though, because I think Becky Lynch should be the person that should win the title from Charlotte at WrestleMania. Yeah, I totally agree on that. And it almost seems like with Charlotte doing too much of Ric Flair's shtick, it's just too predictable. I mean, yeah, okay, you can see that. She comes in, Ric Flair's daughter. She wants to rebel at first. Oh, I can make it on my own. And then Ric Flair comes in, and then, and then she's going to act more like Ric Flair, be a dirty player. And that's all fine and dandy. Becky Lynch needs to really shine. I mean, she really is, as far as the divas go, I mean, she can wrestle circles around almost any of them. And, I mean, that's that's awesome. She almost has that Daniel Bryan-esque feel to her. And so that's great for the Divas division. With Charlotte being the Flair wannabe, that's fine. She is a Flair, but, again, it just seems like it's something that we've seen her before and is kind of over it. But whatever she wants to do, I'm, I'm still a fan of Charlotte. Yeah. Uh, you know, I hope it works for her. Um, 
Charlotte versus Sasha versus Becky Lynch at Mania. I'm for it. Uh, Bailey should, uh, you know, they have that that debut. The, the night after Raw is kind of like a pay per view in and of itself, and I think that, uh, you know, you have the Ziggler cash in, you have the Neville uh, debut. I think Bailey uh, after Mania should debut that Raw after Mania. That would be absolutely perfect. Um, even saving, uh, saving uh, Becky Lynch from from Charlotte. Or Sasha, uh, a Bailey Charlotte feud. They've had some good matches in NXT. A Bailey Charlotte feud would be pretty good to start off. Uh, the, um, you know, I guess the the calendar year in the WWE after Mania. So yeah, I'd be a fan of that. All right. So next question is, who did Eddie Guerrero defeat to retain the WWE title at WrestleMania 20? Who did Eddie Guerrero defeat to retain the WWE title at WrestleMania 20? So, Ryback and Show, I think it was a good way to portray the Wyatt family. I, I was actually okay with this. The You know, attacking Big Show, you know, he's a heel, but so what? He, you know, it, it doesn't matter anymore. I, I was glad that they interfered the Ryback and, and Big Show match because it, it was... I really didn't want to watch any more of it. And so, yeah, it was a great way to really insert the Wyatt family into the Royal Rumble. So it, it made it legitimately, it, it made it, it made it legitimately seem like Bray Wyatt had a, has a really strong chance of winning the Royal Rumble. It's kind of like when CM Punk had a straight edge society, not, not the straight edge society, but the new Nexus, when the new Nexus was helping CM Punk eliminate people. I think Bray Wyatt has that in even a, a better degree, even a higher degree, because the Wyatt family is more intimidating, stronger, bigger than the the new Nexus. So I think it'll work. I think if uh, somehow the first uh, eight people or so, you end up getting all of the Wyatt family members and then you clean house you know, throughout the, the whole Royal Rumble, I think that's a good way to 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 put I think that's a good way to eliminate people like Chris Jericho because Chris Jericho, you know, he's in the Royal Rumble poster now. Um so I think that's a good way to eliminate him and and, and still to the, the word protect in Chris Jericho is really hard to put together. But if you want to market Chris Jericho as being some big person, and we'll talk a little bit more about this segment in a little bit, but if you still want to market Chris Jericho as being someone of worth, of being in the World Rumble as a legendary status, you know, have someone like the the, the Wyatt family eliminate him. And if you're having people like Kane and things like that, have the whole the whole Wyatt family eliminate him too. So I think that would be a good way to make – Bray Wyatt, a very strong player in the Royal Rumble. So I was I was totally okay with this segment. I think it was a good way to to build some steam, continue to build the steam of the Wyatt family. It was kind of good just to see him drop out of nowhere. And here's the Wyatt family in between this match between the two behemoths, which, again, the match wasn't going to be anything great because both of them are doorknobs. So it's kind of going in the Royal Rumble. That's good for the Wyatts. I really don't see the thing with the Royal Rumble match now that, 
is Roman Reigns. He's got to win the match to stay champion. And so it's like whatever else happens in a Royal Rumble match isn't going to be that big of a deal because we all kind of have to predict that Roman Reigns is going to win. And But going on with that, Bray Wyatt interrupting the match with the Wyatt family. They dominated both guys. It was good. And, again, I was happy to see that. They just came out of nowhere, and here we are. And uh, good little segment on Raw. Didn't mind it. And again, we'll get into it later, just how the Royal Rumble seems to kind of ruin anything else that's going to happen in the match of what we've learned last night. Yeah. Um, I, you know, it, it does bring a nice little twist to it, though. I, and it, it really does. I, 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 People are saying that, it, it, you know, it's a lock that Roman Reigns is going to win, but uh, I think if you're going to have him drop the title, I think this is a good way to do it. You know, him against the odds, and I think it will keep his babyface underdog push going if he loses the the, the title. Uh, you know, uh, dirty if he loses the dirty at, at uh, WrestleMania if you have a big screw job. So we'll see what happens. Um, why uh, Del Rio against and. Uh, Del Rio and Rusev against the Usos. This was actually a really, really good match. Uh, this is probably the best match of the night. It was, I mean, it was four people who are very solid wrestlers, and I was very, very impressed with this match. It was a very solid match. It was a little bit lengthy, but it was, it was a very good, it was a very good tone to it. Uh, people were into it, and uh, yeah, I was, I was very impressed with this match, and. You know, I hope that uh, they continue this feud with the Usos in the League of Nations. I think it gives both of them a pretty good spot. Del Rio, as U.S. champion, continues to make to not even make more sense because I think him and Rusev, when I first saw the League of, League of Nations, I thought, like, him and Rusev would be a pretty good tag team. And they're showing me even more that how much of a good tag team that they are and they should be. And just him as U.S. champ just doesn't make any sense. But that match was very good, and I'm looking forward to see another one. Yeah, it was a good match, and the League of Nations is really kind of – like I said, I don't think they're going to be together too much longer or for very long at all. We talked about that last week. But uh, it was a great match, and it's – Rusev's never looked better, and Del Rio's never looked better, at least within the past couple months. So, I mean, to get them away from that whole – feud with the Divas or Lana and Summer Rae and, you know, Alberta are actually coming back to the WWE. So both of them together, it's just, it's a great pairing. I like the two. Them against the Usos are starting to joke. It makes a great tag team match, so you can't be opposed to it. I mean, everyone's working well together, so yeah, keep it going, but you know, we'll see what happens to it. I kind of liked it. It was a great match. Yeah. Uh, Angle is the correct answer. Next question. What former member of Revolution was a also a member of the Flock? What member of the Revolution was also a member of the Flock? Um, all right. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's uh, take a quick break uh, on the – when I come back, I have a, a great announcement about the – about who's going to be on the show next week. I'm pretty excited about announcing this. I'll be right back. Bring what you got. The measuring stick just changed around here, buddy. You're looking at it. Four corners, free, our mind. Let's go. 
the whole squad is making it clear. We taking this year. You know who we are, but you don't know why we here. So this is where the big boys play. These big boys play like who defies the living God. Get out the big boys way. Outsiders with the swoop in. We live as kings. You see in us, but our third man waits in the wings. And when the time is right, we shock him with the proper attack. I go for dolo, but ain't solo. Cut the promo in black. Hollywood Hendrix Prizzle pinning them to the max. And I'm Das Wonderkin with the strength of a hundred men. With one intent to see the will fulfilled of the one who sent his son to give himself. But you rap about your gas and your rags torture. White coffins when I drop a bomb. My mic's awesome. Never lost faith. You in all space. You can all skate, suffer, but never cripple. No bin walls in my cross face. From here to Saturday, raving, anticipating. I was frostbit, now I am glacier. Mixed with some Vader. Get to hawking with these animals. Using God for my defense. In Alabama, we jamming. That's beautiful Bobby eating. Me and Priest, we the dangerous alliance. Nah, the Harlem Heat. Tie the do-rag before we do battle. You're talking sheep. You are what you speak. This too sweet. Till the number is took back. We repping that work pack. The foundation shaking. No mistaking. Yeah, we shook that. Trusting God, we trust. Pushing forward. Never look back. Meekness ain't at all weakness. Some people mistook that. Stamping out this crook rap. He turning the power on. On the razor's edge. Leg drop after a power bomb. Tired of the lies, man. We bringing the truth through. Diligent and fruitful. The owners in our group, too. It's good to be king. Sold out this war is brutal. We playing them war games. Our army go move, too. You crew. I'm in the Raptors with a bat in my hand. And stand to shatter all your plans so they don't matter. In the grand scheme, it's that easy. We tag teaming. Steiner Brothers, we love it. Demand the win. Establish it. This the clash of the champions. <laughs> this is where the big boys play, huh? We ain't here to play. And ladies and gentlemen, during the break, I just got a another confirmation uh, from a uh, a very interesting interview scheduled for the 19th now. So we got one for next week. Uh, our, our our road to 200. We have an interview at uh, 198 and 199, ladies and gentlemen. Next week, 198, we are going to have... MMA undefeated, also former Tough Enough contestant Daniel Pewter will be on the show next week. Very interesting stuff to talk about during his time in the WWE. And breaking news on the 19th, episode 199, we are going to have former TNA World Heavyweight Champion Magnus will be on the show. So be sure to... Uh, be here for episode 198 and 199. Next week, we will have Daniel Pewter. And two weeks, we will have Magnus leading into 200. And, of course, we'll uh, announce uh, what we're going to do for 200 as well. So continue to support Crave Wrestling as we bring in the heavy hitters, Daniel Pewter and Magnus next week and the week after. So it's going to be very interesting and very fun, Derek. I'm really Looking forward to it. So, who wouldn't be? I mean, that's great news. We just got this here live pancakes and power slams. Daniel Pewter. And that's absolutely phenomenal. I haven't heard that name in a while. And Magnus, of course. Not a big TNA guy, but I know who Magnus is just for the fact that I research wrestling, love wrestling. Excited to have both of those leading up 
it's the road to 200 is what we've got going on here at Pancakes and Power Slam. So it's said we got 200 episode coming up. Who knows what's going to happen then? You know, maybe we'll have Macho Man come back from the dead and sing his praises on Pancakes and Power Slam. You never know. But road to road to 200, we got it going. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that would be very interesting. <laughs> yeah, Elizabeth. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So uh, during the break, we also got uh, Perry Saturn. The correct answer for their next question: Before Extreme Championship Wrestling (ECW) stood for what? Before Extreme Championship Wrestling (ECW) stood for what? All right, so this uh, this social outcast, unfortunately, Dolph Ziggler had to be the recipient of the debut of the social outcast. They decided for it to finally they give Heath, Heath Slater a spot, and for some reason they decided Curtis Axel, Adam Rose, and Bo Dallas was the four they should have used for the uh, social outcast. Um, I you know I see when I, when I saw this, I said, okay, this is. This is the job squad almost 20 years later. This is, I mean, that's exactly what I thought, that this is just a modern-day job squad. I don't see anything exciting coming from this faction. It's just a way to put four people who you haven't seen on on Raw or on SmackDown or whatever. They're not going to win a bunch of matches. They're not going to win any championships. I don't see any of that. I really don't understand the purpose of it, but I mean, I guess it's a good way to put them on TV again, but there's the, there's nothing that's going to come out of this. If there's nothing that comes out of it, that's a total shame because I do see something. It's kind of cute, and it's fun. And, again, it's like they have – if they could, like, maybe help each other throughout every match and just, oh, he won the U.S. championship because, you know, they just stick together. And they're a faction. They hold it together. Everyone understands they're there because they're underdogs. WWE doesn't care for them. And again, like that Daniel Bryan-esque feel to it. That's almost what I got from it. It's not going to happen that way. But I thought it was fun. And I'm going to enjoy it. These guys have been you know, harping on Twitter and Instagram and everything for the past few months. Get us on Raw. Get us on TV. Get us in the spotlight. And they've finally done it. Make some fun out of it. Make it good. If the New Day can have fun, they can win me over. So can the social outcasts. So, uh, I'm excited. I want to see where this goes. If it doesn't go very far, that's typical WWE. But if it does, I'm I'm a fan for now until the end of time. Because I thought it was a brilliant move. I'm glad they finally got that out there. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, you know, Eastern Championship Wrestling is the correct answer. Um, you know, so what's, what's going to happen? What are you going to do? Are you going to add... Fondango and Damian Sandow to this job squad. I, I you know, I, I don't, I don't see it. I don't, I don't see it. A nice, uh, nice meme in homage to uh, Saturn and Kronos there. That's uh, the the finishing move, as Joey Styles called. Oh, so great. Um, yeah, eh, you know. It, um, it says I'm glad I comment here. I'm glad they need to be on so much waste of time, but I see them three and B over, but jobbers. Um, yeah, I mean, three and B, 
at least three and B had an opportunity. And plus, you know, it's, it's a three man band. It's a three man faction. You know, it has more, it has more opportunity to be fresh, but, you know, again, when you keep adding so many people in factions, unless it's like the corporation, which it made sense to people that they had a number of people, the corporation, because, you know, Vince McMahon, he owns it. People are, are aligning with Vince McMahon. That makes sense. But anything else, I mean, if you're having a lot of people in a faction, it just doesn't make sense. And these four people, I mean, Bo Dallas and, and the social outcast, yeah. He's a motivational speaker, but he's not really a social outcast. It, it just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, out, of course, Adam Rose makes sense. Axel, I don't really understand how he would fit as a social outcast. I don't, I don't really understand it either. Heath Slater, yeah, I guess it makes sense. He's a, I guess he's a uh, self-aggrandizing rock star, so that makes sense. Of course, like I said, Adam Rose makes perfect sense. Fondango possibly, you know, I think that he would, he would fit well in there too. And, uh, Sandow, you know, he's, uh, you know, he, he would have fit too, but you know, we'll, we'll see how it works. Uh, new day in ring promo interrupted by Jericho. So let's talk about this for a little bit. I, you know, people, people know that I'm such a Jericho Mark and, uh, ah, man, this was really, really hard. This is really, really difficult to see. It, it really was tough because, first of all, you have a San Antonio crowd that just didn't care much at all about Chris Jericho. So I guess you're trying to beef up the Royal Rumble match. So you're trying to pull out all the stops, I guess, to make this, you know, one of the biggest Royal Rumble matches of all time, you know, 1992 proportions. I'm okay with that, but you know, it. The last time Jericho came was uh, not of champions time, so about four months ago. Losing to, you know, being a being the third member of the Shield, basically, with uh, Ambrose and Reigns losing against the Wyatt family. Uh, and he's the one who gets choked out by um, Braun Strowman. So, and then, you know, even around that time too, just a couple months before, you know, he's losing to, uh, well, just like a month prior, he's losing to Kevin Owens, you know, and, and take over. Um, actually, I think it was, uh, yeah, I think it was uh, the, the, the special that they had um, on, on the network. So you're losing to Kevin Owens. Uh, is the Madison Square Garden especially they had with uh, Brock Lesnar and show. So you're losing to Kevin Owens. You're losing to the Wyatt family. Why in the world am I supposed to be? And, and this is for people who aren't Jericho marks, which, you know, nowadays a lot of people are included into that because, because of his in and out, you know, returns. So why am I supposed to be excited that Chris Jericho is going to be in the Royal Rumble? I, I don't understand how that's going to be exciting because, you know, he's going to be eliminated. So how am I supposed to believe that Chris Jericho has a minute chance of winning the entire Royal Rumble? And he's just coming in from four months out. He's not involved in the big, you know, angle. 
it, it's really hard for me to say this because people know how much of a Jericho fan and I am, but I, you know, I, I tweeted this to, and you know, I tweeted this and I texted this to a good friend of mine. I, you know, I said, you know, is it the fact that I'm tired or I'm just, I'll just concede that I'm not excited for Chris Jericho, you know, to return. And the unanimous decision was just me conceding that I was not excited for a Chris Jericho return. And it's sad. San Antonio didn't help the matter at all, but I don't think it was the San Antonio crowd. The reason why I wasn't excited, it just wasn't, it was very lackluster. It was very anticlimactic. You know, he's, he's bringing out, you know, one liners from 2000 and as much as, you know, I'm a Jericho guy, and, and, and yeah, I can. There's no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. But oh, this was really brutal. This was really, really brutal to watch. It was pretty bad. Um, I didn't expect Jericho to come out last night, but he did. He's going to be in the Royal Rumble. Same thing as you said. It just who cares. He's not going to win. He's going to be in there maybe 10, 15 minutes at the most, have a couple high spots, eliminate a couple people. And after that, it's, okay, what's next for Chris Jericho? Who cares? And that's a shame to say that. I hate to say that. Chris Jericho is a huge talent. He's a marvel. Um, but for crying out loud, it's they want to make this a showcase and have all these big names in there. That's great. I understand it. But, again, for me, they already ruined it with the uh, – the big the clause that comes with the Royal Rumble this year. So, Chris Jericho, I love you to death, man. I love Fozzie, heavy metal guy, but it just, it doesn't make sense from a wrestling standpoint. He's why he's there, why he had to come out. There's nothing else they can do with the guy, and it's, unless they want to be unless they want to put serious effort into him, I mean, he could tear the house down. He can always do that. That's what Chris Jericho does. But they're just going to use him, put his name in there. It's not going to draw anybody. No one cares. He's going to go in, go out, see you later. Yeah, and he'll be gone. I mean, he tweeted that he won't be there at WrestleMania. You know, so if it's true, that wouldn't be a surprise because he wasn't there last year. So, but if it's not, it's like, you know, why am I supposed to be very enthusiastic that he's going to – you know, be at WrestleMania. Him and Ambrose would be a very good feud. Uh, but again, a Jericho heel, a heel Jericho again. I don't think that's the answer. Uh, you know, I really don't think there's anything that really can. You know, Jericho keeps talking about how he wants to save. You know, save people. But uh, man, it's 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 rough. <laughs> it's really rough to see to see Jericho as much as I'm a Jericho fan. That's probably why. It's just like. It's so rough to it's it's so tough to see Chris Jericho nowadays because they don't have any type of stable anything for him and it's just it's just really really rough to watch. Uh, next uh, we have oh interesting question here we go name three wrestlers build from parts unknown name three wrestlers build from parts unknown. Next we have. Uh, no day defeating the Kalisto and Dudley boys, and then uh, Roman Reigns uh, and Sheamus beating Sheamus. This was actually a pretty good match. You know what? Sheamus has always been a pretty solid worker, and I've always admitted that. I think uh, this this feud with Roman Reigns with the authority in it too. I think it has a 
it, it's it's inserted Sheamus to be a pretty solid heel because people just don't like Sheamus. I mean, when he was a face, people wanted him to turn heel, and now since he's heel, people just don't like him. They they have a reason not to like him, and that's how it should be. Like turn heel for me to officially not like you. And that's how Sheamus is, and I think he's doing pretty good as a heel. He's doing a really good job elevating Roman Reigns. And this uh, this match, it was chaotic, but uh, it worked. And it's, you know, it led to an announcement of, uh, of Vince McMahon saying that Roman Reigns has to defend the title in the Royal Rumble match. And uh, like I said, you know, it's this is the second time it's ever happened. So, from a historical standpoint, it should be interesting, and I think it, I think it brings out a lot of swerves. I think it, it I think it brings out a lot of opportunities. We had no Cena, no Brock Lesnar. Either of them could be a part of it. You know, we could see a fun. We can finally see a, a Cena heel turn to set up a champion Cena against Roman Reigns at WrestleMania, which I would absolutely love. It just brings out a lot of possibilities, and I, I think. You know, it it's one of those things that it, there's more positives than negatives that can, that can come out of this. If Roman Reigns wins, you know, he keeps his title. So it's not – it's it, you know, it's more than just saying, yeah, I, I won the Royal Rumble again. It's I, I retain my championship. So, you know, it's it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if he won again. I don't – you know, as a Roman Reigns guy, I, I don't want him to win the Royal Rumble. I think – uh, I think a triple eight swerve or something dealing with, you know, him losing dirty. I think that will help him leading into WrestleMania. So it, it's interesting. I, I'm open to it. You know, I, I didn't totally shut the idea down. I, I'm more open to it since uh, it's for the title now. And it, it's historical. It's only the second time it's ever happened. So I'm, I'm on board with it. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting. I mean, Royal Rumble usually is. I mean, there's only been a few really huge stinkers in the past. Uh, I like it, but again, it just kind of seems to put a damper on everything else. Like, I just... You almost think if Roman Reigns is going to win, retain the title because it's his trip to go to WrestleMania. But, yeah, there could be a swerve thrown in there. We don't know. We've seen a couple swerves here recently. Obviously, with Roman Reigns winning on Monday Night Raw and uh, Neville winning not too long ago and Kevin Owens, so it could happen. I could be totally wrong, which I hope I am because that'll just you know blow my mind more, and I'll be able to be happy and talk on pancakes and power slams and not be dissing everything. So that's my uh, take on it. Looking forward to uh, Road to Royal Rumble. We got the Road to 200 coming up. But what else is going on in wrestling? It is now time for the Flavor of the Week. What else is going on in the wrestling, Derek? The answer to that is Royal Rumble, like you were talking about. Let's talk about some old-school Royal Rumble. Uh, The first answer I see here is Ultimate Warrior, Missing Link, and Abdullah the Butcher. Uh, I'll take that. Um, the three I had was Ultimate Warrior, Missing Link, and The Undertaker, the 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 initial Undertaker. Um, that's when uh, that's that's what I had on there as far as parts unknown. Undertaker was he lived in parts unknown for for a while, and uh, he he went back to Texas. So 
interesting enough, his he debuted as a character named Texas Red, and then finally, you know, for some reason he was more intrigued by Parts Unknown, so he moved from Texas to Parts Unknown. He resided there for a few years and and went back to Texas. So, uh, you know, if we if we get a chance to have the Undertaker here on the Pancakes of Power Slam show, I would ask him, um, you know, how was it living in Parts Unknown and and surviving to to talk about it. So. Royal Rumble uh, 2006, the number 30 entrance was uh, Randy Orton, and uh, that year, Rey Mysterio won. Uh, that was a big year, it was, you know, months after Eddie Guerrero passing, and uh, it was it was a very good year for Rey Mysterio, and he became champion, underdog champion. Very, very interesting uh, Royal Rumble there. Uh, it made sense, you know, kind of got to play with it, you know, kind of got to go with it. Uh, the Undertaker was the 30th entrant, and he won. We don't see a lot of that, interestingly enough. He was he won the 30th entrant. Yeah, he, he was over 13 minutes uh, later. Uh, the last person uh, in the in the match was uh, Shawn Michaels, and they had a pretty good uh, sparring session uh, at at the very end. And I was a, I was a big fan of it. It was it was great. That was a great War Rumble. Actually, 2007 was awesome. 2008 number 30 was John Cena. And he won as well. Consecutive number 30 uh, entrants being winners. That was his uh, big day, uh, big return from his uh, injury. A lot of people wasn't expecting him to come back that early. Madison Square Garden. 2009 was the big show. He uh, stayed a little less than 10 minutes, about nine and a half. Got, got uh, eliminated by the winner, which is Randy Orton. Randy Orton was eighth that year. And then finally, 2010, number 30 uh, was Batista, and he got eliminated. Uh, he, he was only there a little over five minutes. Got eliminated by John Cena, who um, got uh, eliminated uh, by Edge. So, yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was interesting five years of the Royal Rumble. Uh, which one? Uh, who? Which one stands out to you most? Uh, mostly probably Undertaker and Shawn Michaels. I mean, that was, I just remember that sitting in the basement in my uh, buddy's house, and the whole match itself was pretty great. So that was 2007. That was surprisingly in San Antonio, Texas, yep. the home of Shawn Michaels, and he gets thrown over the rope, so the Undertaker wins. So to me, ominously, that was that was a great one. John Cena winning the year after was all right, but again, you just kind of get Cena sickness after a while. Uh Randy Orton, you know, it's just kind of that stale time in the WWE, which kind of lingers today, but ultimately the Undertaker winning that makes my heart yeah. happy. Absolutely. See, here's the thing. There's there's a uh, – someone <laughs> made a comment of uh, Death Valley, question mark. Yeah. See, this is the thing. You don't – what you don't know here is Death Valley is actually a, a suburb of Parts Unknown. So – Interesting pancakes and power Sam's facts for you there. Um, Death Valley is actually um, it's a suburb northeast of parts unknown, but it's still considered in the district of parts unknown. So uh, Death Valley is indeed true, but <laughs> but yeah, Warlord is also the uh, correct answer. Yeah, uh, twenty seven uh, sticks out to me as well. Just the you know uh, it, it was very. The last two, I think that was probably the last two 
the the recent memory, one of the only Royal Rumbles that had uh, me at the edge of my seat as far as who's going to win from the last two. I mean, when you had, I believe it was 2011 when it was Del Rio and Santino. Of course, you know Del Rio was going to win, but uh, yeah, I think that 2007 was uh, was fantastic. So um, that sticks out to me. All right, ladies and gentlemen, 197 in the books. Again, next week we have Daniel Pewter, and uh, be sure to to join us and uh, and, and pose your questions on on the WAW Nation live stream, and also tweeting at Crave Wrestling. Uh, be sure to let, let us know your questions during that interview. He's really excited to to join the Pancakes and Power Slam show live next week. And, of course, the following week we have former TNA World Heavyweight Champion Magnus, Nick Aldis, and I'm pretty excited about that. So, And we'll talk about some GFW. We, we You know, he, he was the he used the crowning jewel for GFW for a little bit, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about that as far as uh, what the direction of that is going. So, Really, really excited about uh, the next few weeks. And, of course, 200 is coming up, ladies and gentlemen. Three weeks away, we've got, uh, you know, I'm talking to some people, and we got some, some fun, fun stuff for for 200. So, you know, if you have any, here's the thing. I pretty much have the show mapped out and planned out. But be sure to tweet me at Cray Wrestling. If you have any ideas for 200, I'm open to them, you know. I, I'm willing. I'm willing to adjust the the formatting and the schedule for 200 for a really really good idea. So if it's good, you know, tweet it at Crave Wrestling. I'll consider, and, and you know, maybe it will work. Maybe it'll happen. So I'm excited. Join us next week. We got Daniel Pewter. Until then, Daddy loves Ian and Elijah. God bless you all, and have a great week. Enjoy your week of wrestling, and we will be here next week. I'm excited about it. Thank you so much for your support. God bless. Goodbye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.